What's going on, Skytown? Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James K. With me on the mic, as always, is your co-host, Christopher J. Pennett. Chris, a lot of WNBA action over this past weekend, and honestly, it's just great to be back in the flow of the season. Um, how you doing today, man? Well, you see, I'm in this sumptuous recording space, uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, the library of one of Chicago's most famous residents with all of this artwork on the walls, this beautiful wallpaper. This is a lie. This is my, this is my girlfriend's house. Uh, <laughs> she decorated this. I do not have the capability to decorate this. The season's in full swing, bro. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot to be excited about. And it's funny too, because as incorrect as I have been in terms of prognostication and predicting how things will shake out for teams, for players, when we, talked about the little tier list that I had in the preseason, pretty much everything has gone how I had it. I think I moved Connecticut up to the third or second tier and they've been, they've been much better than I thought they would be in February. So, ha, I was right. I was right. (laughs) Hey man, these early season predictions are always going to bite people in the ass. There's just no way around it. I mean, you're going to take some shots and miss and hey, you know, as an analyst, hopefully you'll get some right too. But I do think a lot of people so far have been wrong about the Chicago sky, man. They're started off three and two. And last time we kind of spoke about how the first two games of the season, we just wanted to see more after they took down the Lynx and the Mercury, who are just two teams that are at the bottom of the standings. And we wanted to see them go up against Washington and Dallas just to really feel out where the team is at. And they really answered the bell there, in my opinion. I mean, let's just quickly summarize it real quick. The Sky just missed a W against Washington in a two-point nail-biter last Friday where they lost Rebecca Gardner. Um, we don't know what her status is, but they were right there. It was like 69-69, I believe, or something like that. Like, no, I think it was 66 66. Yeah, it was 66 all before Elena. Man, that that loose ball, that loose ball off the Ariel Atkins uh, missed three. If the Sky corral that, then they've got a shot to, they've got a good shot to win. Uh, it's going to come up later, but even the possession that they had before, where Marina found, had a great find on, on Becca down low. And then, you know, we know what happened after that. But the Sky had two really good shots to win and just, you know, couldn't couldn't make either of them work for reasons kind of outside their control. Yeah, and the momentum really was going in the Sky's direction in that Washington game, and it's too bad. They really played Washington really well. They, You know, there's only so much you can do with Elena Deladon, but everyone outside, I mean, they really shut down Washington's backcourt. And... They really did take that energy, even despite losing Rebecca Gardner, and really gave it to Dallas two days later in at Wintrust. You know, Arike did her thing, and Satu Sabli. Oh my God, Satu Sabli just looks like an MVP candidate right now. But the Sky were able to take down Dallas in a six-point win for, you know, injuries again caught up with the Sky and in, in a nine-person lineup or a nine-person rotation, I should I should say. They just looked exhausted against Atlanta, who beat them by 18 points. So now, you know, the Sky, man, 
five games into the season, three and two. They have a two-game slate coming up against the Liberty. One game at Wintrust on Friday and another one at the Barclays Center on Sunday. We'll talk a little bit about Courtney Vandersloot's return, but really we just want to focus on this team right now. Chris, where are you at with this team right now? I mean, do you feel that the sky did prove something over these last three games? I think they did. I think some superstitious people out there might be like, you know, the the gods, the basketball gods didn't want to see us succeed because losing Morgan Birch and Rebecca Gardner in the same game is a terrific blow to this team, uh, both for what they provide uh, offensively, Birch as as a cutter and screener, and Rebecca as as a safety valve and a slasher. But defensively, my goodness, like... Morgan Burch literally got hurt stuffing the hell out of Shakira Austin, just like at the at the rim, just going up, hand on the ball, and bring, taking it right back down into Shakira's lap. And Shakira Austin had a fantastic game. She's going to be an all-league player. Um, and Morgan Burch, for the most part, had been up to the task until she landed badly on her ankle. Now, um, I think the initial reports, if either you or, or Andy Costable posted from James Wade, is that she'll be out for – maybe two to three games, you know, maybe it'll be more, maybe it'll be less. Uh, but it was a pretty bad ankle roll. You saw that. The Rebecca Gardner one, initially I thought it was a knee injury, but as you, as um, as I watched the replay on TV, it was just somewhere where she came down badly on her foot. Now, the first thought is, is some sort of tendon tear, and hopefully you're you're hoping against hope that it's not any Achilles issue, but that's one that's going to be a giant blow, especially with um, Izzy Harrison tearing her meniscus. So this team was set up for success even before or before those injuries. Now you're trying to tread water and figure out what to do with hardship contracts, but they have a basis. I think they have a pretty nice basis. The one thing I saw that worried me in the Dallas game is that you really are missing that old unselfish sky basketball where the ball would just pop pop on every pass and there's hmm. sometimes it seems like players are getting down deep and maybe holding onto the ball a beat too long where you where before they would drive find the person who was cutting when they forced the double team and then open up the offense on the weak side the one thing i've seen is that marina it seems like she gets a bit deep and then really covered in the double and then doesn't have anywhere to go on the on the um on the safety, on the safety release. So I want to see the offense start flowing better, but I still think that this is a 25, like 25, 28 win team if they have enough bodies to go around. That's going to be it, man, because honestly, their offense wasn't something that really worried me as much in that Dallas game. I mean, they put up 94 points, you know, I mean, that's a good mark to be at and everything. It's when the defense isn't clicking, when in Atlanta you're getting out hustled for a team like this. And James Wade and Kalia Copper said this yesterday. This team is going to win on defense and turning defense into offense. And they are still figuring things out in the half court. Like clearly they're still figuring things out and integrating Marina Mabry into this mix of players. And um, I think she's still trying to figure out things within the offense and everything i still think that this team i'm honestly that atlantic game didn't worry me as much and only from an injury perspective it might have 
showed me like given me some reason to be worried for this team but watching them against Washington seeing how they really stifled a disciplined team like that and I know that people are probably wondering why I'm still high on Washington I mean in their two losses or whatever it is I mean they've only like the point differential between them and their opponents is like 13 points I mean Wait, yeah, like who's who's down on you for being high on Washington? It's Washington. No, I mean people are saying after a couple of games that like it's time to worry about Washington. And I just like I can't believe that we're at this point now. Um, but when you look at how they played against Washington and Dallas, man, the way that they their defensive activity has just overwhelmed opponents, and it's hard to game plan against that. There are there's still 35 more games left in the season, though. And if you have a game like they did against Atlanta, where they just looked tired and didn't bring the same energy that we saw in the first four games of the season. Man, if you can't sustain that energy, I think that's when even beyond the X's and O's, beyond like scheme versatility, beyond all of it, it's like that's when things are going to get tough for the sky, especially when they don't have a deep rotation right now. Yeah, that's the toughest thing. It's it's really the one thing. Well, I won't look that back. I don't want to say the one thing holding them back, but the injury has just really made things so much more difficult. And I, we saw some good minutes from Sika Kone on on Sunday, yeah. but you also saw the the inexperience, um, just in you know running the offense, making sure that she's getting moving the ball. And I think she's just trying to find her niche early on, which, which is difficult. She has a lot of skill that you can see, like just raw skill, being able to put the ball on the floor and take it to the basket. It's just making that step from the Spanish League to the WNBA and understanding when you can make those moves to the basket and when you have to try and screen for your shooters on the outside. But they, have, they at least have Sika Kone on the bench to go to. The problem is you wanted the 10th person at least to lessen some of the pressure on, on the rest of your rotation. And it, I think we're coming back, we're almost coming back to that same question that we had before. Mm-hmm. Who's going to spell Ka reliably? You know, with, with no Morgan Birch, you can't really rotate things out the way you would like to and keep your size at the 3-4 spot. So now it's going to heavy pressure on Ka, who has started the season not shooting it all that well. You want to see that shooting percentage come up for her too. Chris, I think you're right about that. And it's not necessarily, again, I feel like concern is always going to feel like such a strong word when we're talking about the first few games of the season for any sport. But let's look at the positive for a second. She's shooting 42.9% from deep on 2.8 attempts. That's a really good mark. If I had to guess, I don't have it in front of me. I would guess that that is a career high for Kalia Copper. She's shooting over 40% from deep. My God, I don't think you can ask for more from Kalia Copper in that sense. It's the it's outside of that where she's shooting 36.4% from the field outside of that. Um, and I think two point percentage would probably be a better way of evaluating that. But just again, just having the raw stats in front of me. Yeah, that's a little bit of a concern. I mean, you want to see Kalia be a little bit more efficient, but I do go back to the quote that Elena Deladon had recently, and I do want to talk about fouls in a second, but Elena Deladon got a fine, I believe it was, because she said after a game how she's still getting officiated like she's a rookie. 
And I think the same can really be said for Kalia Copper, who has been smacked around the entire season. And it is just so bizarre for me that this keeps happening with the sky. And I don't want to say that this is all like they lost yesterday because of the fouls that they didn't get or whatever. I think that's a feeble excuse. You got to work through that. Good teams are able to win despite of that shit. I will say, though, that the sky, I looked this up right before the show, that since James Wade became the Sky's head coach, they have drawn the 11th fewest fouls in the WNBA. So that's getting back to 2019. And we're talking about a team that that has featured Courtney Vandersloot, Diamond, Allie Quigley, Candace Parker, Emma Mieseman. Like we're talking about players that should be getting star foul calls for them. That we've seen it across the league, man. We see it in the NBA as well. Stars get foul, like stars get foul calls. They earn that reputation. And Kalia Copper, it just blows me away how at this point, a two-time all-star, someone that has earned the right to get some of these calls, still isn't getting them when she's clearly getting hacked. Yeah, I don't understand it either. Like Kalia Copper, the way that she goes to the rim, that shouldn't even be a um that honestly shouldn't even be a star call. If a rookie was making that play, the way that they were going up and getting to the rim, they should get like one in three drives. They should get that call. Kai feels like she's getting like one in five, you know, like you've got to be able to send her to the line. And, you know, I I really don't get it. Before I before I would have said like James Wade teams were fairly perimeter oriented, but now they're crashing the glass. This team has to crash the glass and go to the basket. To have, success, to have success and to open up that outside shot, whether it's the mid-range or the outside shot. And they're still not getting, like, only 11 free throw attempts against Atlanta. I didn't get a chance to see that Atlanta game, but they didn't get a lot of free throws against Dallas either in a game where they scored 94 points. And on average, the Sky are taking about a fifth of their field goal attempts as, as threes, which is definitely bottom half of the league. So it's not like they're just standing around the perimeter and trying to go outside in. There are definitely some plays where they should be getting free throws. I don't know where it's, where it's not coming from, unless you just want to go back to all oh, WNBA refs. Yeah, and, you know, Maggie Hendricks has told me before when she's seen me complain about the refs on Twitter, just being like, hey, you know, it's probably not best in the long run complaining about the refs because this actually ends up dissuading people that actually want to become referees from joining the like again like being a part of that and be, making a living out of that and that's how we're seeing less and less talent come through because of that and I do think there's something to that and especially when I've talked to coaches from from the high school level college level WNBA it's always the same like the disparity between the talent between the NBA and WNBA are just women's basketball and men's basketball that officiating is at the top of the list when we talk about needing to overcome certain things. And I try not to talk about the fouls. I really like I there are other things that I find more interesting in it, but it has stood out to me, especially even that Minnesota game, man. I think this guy had six free throw attempts in that game. And in that Phoenix game, I think they ended up getting like 19 and it ends up tipping the scale a little bit. But, like, man, the Sky just haven't gotten those same calls since 2019. And people, I think that the Sky show shy ass, like, is that about Wade and him complaining? It's like, 
<laughs> I don't know, man. Like, this, I think that like I've, we've seen coaches complain before about calls. Like, this isn't groundbreaking information or something that's new, you know. And right. And when you look at like the numbers, don't lie. They've drawn the 11th fewest fouls in the WNBA since 2019. That's according to PBP stats. So that blows me away. And I do think the shot selection, when you look at it too, I don't mean to just dominate this right now, but like when you look at the shot selection, man, this is the sky's long mid-range frequency since James Wade's come to Chicago, just real quick. In 2019, 20.34%. It dips the next year, 17.20%. Takes another 3% decrease. In 2021, 14.53%. In 2022, lowest it's ever been, 12.28%. That's their long-range frequency. That's shots between 16 feet and the three-point line. This year, it is back up to that 2020 number at 17.18%. In terms of their long-mid-range frequency, that is second highest in the league. And when you're not getting to the free throw line as much as this guy should, they're, they should be getting these calls. Marina Mabry got smacked in the face like a thousand times against Dallas the other day. And I know that she has that chicken wing that like, you know, creating that separation that can be tough to officiate, I guess. When you get smacked in the face, Chris, there should be a call. And I think when you couple the lack of free throws with, taking more mid-range shots. And we saw a lot of contested shots that the sky took yesterday that for whatever reason, they're just not getting the same open looks. I think there, that would be something I'd be a little bit worried about, but there's no reason that the sky should be going to the line six times in a game. Like Kalia cop, they, they drive too much to the rim for that to be the case. Yeah. Point blank period. Going back to the, to um, Maggie's assertion, I think the world of Maggie, I just don't think it's necessarily anything is going to change whether you talk about the refereeing or don't talk about the refereeing. Yeah. Honestly, from my perspective, I've, I've been umpiring softball, and I thought um, a while back, because one of the women's players at uh, Bradley when I was there, Lauren Namira, she's gone into refereeing, and so she, I, I think, has, has, been doing, has done a couple of W games these past uh, two or three years. But it's just a lot of officials that if you are visible at all, it's pretty much going to be negative. That's yeah. just, that's just the way that sports work. If you are visible, it's because you're making a call, which means that one team or both is going to be upset about it. And it's just the, it's just a lot in life of the way sports goes. So if we talk about the bad, if we talk about the officiating being subpar, then you know, the, it's not like the league can find you. And if they do, then that's a whole nother argument to have. If we don't talk about the officiating, people who do come into the league to watch or people who think, well, this is the field that I want to get in, they're going to be like, well, why are we talking about how bad this officiating is? Because it, I, don't know in other, I don't know any other area where we would do that, where we would, you know, leave it out. If, you know, if, if policing is bad, we're talking about bad policing. If the cafeteria food is bad, we're talking about the cafeteria food. It's, it's just, it is something that is there, and it has so much of an impact in this game that we have taken it upon ourselves to focus on and, and watch and, and imbibe and, and really love. 
So I, I think it's just we got to keep talking about it so there can be changes made. Um, yeah, that's that's all I had on that, really. I just want to see people discuss it in a way that's fruitful. And even in a fruitful way, it's just saying, hey, the officials missed some calls today. They really missed some. And there's nothing there's nothing that seems that bad about that, to me, at least. No, I totally get that, too. And I hope that we get to a place where the standard for officiating in the WNBA is much higher than it is now. And I don't think that from the people that I've spoken to that it's been hard to get an answer, like even just to get an interview to talk about that type of stuff. But it is what it is. I just think it applies a lot with the sky right now. When you look at how this team has had some foul troubles already this year, when you look at the front court, you know, when, the backcourt's been incredible this year. I mean, they had that one game against Phoenix where everyone was getting fouls. Like, you know, Rebecca Garner had three fouls in two minutes. I mean, that's borderline unheard of. But when you look at the Sky's front court, Christina Igwe had three fouls in the first half against Atlanta. Just given where they're at, it's just going to be hard for them to overcome that when the Sika Kone is still being introduced to the offense. I mean, I think... I think it was James Wade said on one of those breakout videos with this guy about how Sika said that she knew zero, like none of the plays going in against Dallas. Like, kudos to her. She looked awesome and just playing just hard nosed basketball. And she's one of the reasons the sky won against Dallas. But you look again, Christina Nigue and Alana Smith both kind of dealing with foul troubles at the start of the season. Um, and to credit Alana, she's done great over the last two games and not getting herself into foul trouble. So it, the fouls to me are something to just monitor as we move forward. But what other things have you taken away over the last few games? Um, and we and we talked about the first two games on the, the last pod that we did, but what else has stuck out to you um, over the last three? Courtney Williams, Courtney Williams, Courtney Williams again. Yeah. Courtney Williams all day long. I I want to see, that's why I want to have the rotations go up higher and everybody just be worked in. I think if you didn't have these injuries, the sky's offense would be looking even more fluid than it did uh, in the first half against Dallas because of the fact that you'd have Morgan Birch, Rebecca Gardner with that time to practice and play with Courtney Williams. She has looked so sound as a point guard and as a, as a help and like a wing defender. Dallas got a lot of penetration off of just dribbles, just mm-hmm. off of attacking off the dribble. But outside of that, I think that Courtney Williams was able to soak up a lot of that pressure, bringing the ball up, uh, as well as Dana Evans. And it's, I was wrong. I was just wrong, you know? I was wrong about what I thought Courtney Williams would be able to bring to this team. She's brought so much more, and you can live with those uh, mid-range jumpers when, you ha- when you're getting them either as a, to stop a run or in the fourth quarter when you're trying to hold a lead because that's the clutch time where you need to be able to create and get your own shot. And a lot of times it's going to be those 12 and 14-foot jumpers that Courtney Williams is so adept at getting. I was absolutely mistaken about what she could bring to this team, and I'll, and I'll stand on that. I've loved her impact so far. Dude, we're in the same boat there. I thought that it would be an awkward fit given how many long mid-range attempts that she took last year. And that was 191. That's most in the league by a long shot. You know, she only hit them at like a 40.1% clip. 
And that just didn't make sense as much for given where the sky, like what the sky were at. We just went through the numbers on the long mid range attempts. Like they don't, they don't shoot a ton of those and they've taken less and less each year. James Wade has coached this team and it's been incredible to see how Courtney has changed the way that she goes about scoring. And even as a facilitator, man, this would be a career high for assist rate for Courtney Williams at she's, I think she leads the team with like five assists a game and she's only I mean, she's turning the ball over 1.8 times a game. It's still a career best for her assist to turnover ratio. She has looked great. Anytime the team needs an open look, she's someone that's either finding the open person off of like an off ball action. You know, we've saw that multiple times yesterday, or she's like, again, creating the offense. She's dictating offense. It's been so awesome to see how she's grown in that area as a veteran and how much James Wade and her teammates trust her so much just five games in the season. That's not something that is normal, man. It's been really cool to see (laughs) take her offensive game to the next level and cut down on those mid range shots. Yeah. It's just the, the passing and her, her ability to find uh, specific players on the weak side away from the ball and understanding exactly when the defense is committing. And then that's when you're moving the ball. Uh, Steven Gardner, highlighted one, one particular play where the sky set up a, scre- uh, a screen with Elizabeth Williams at the top, and she, uh, Courtney was being guarded by uh, Erike, and Natasha, Natasha Howard was Elizabeth Williams' uh, mark. And so on the screen, Erike forced the ball towards the, towards the elbow, and Natasha was in space coming off Elizabeth Williams, which is, which is fair. She's not a shooter. And they were pretty much trying to trap and forced the ball down towards the baseline. So Courtney outran Natasha Howard, just kept moving the ball down towards the baseline, rejected the screen. And Sika, I believe Sika cut down from her spot in the dunker spot. This is, yeah, this is what Steven was pointing out. Sika came from the dunker spot and came down to the paint. So Veronica Burden sunk in to help. And Courtney went baseline and threw a really beautiful hook bounce pass to the corner for Dana Evans, and she sunk the three from the corner. It's a great read and the action, but you still have to make that pass on the move, off the right hand, going towards the baseline out of bounds. And she made that pass on the money and hit Dana right in the shooting pocket. That's one thing I haven't seen from this guy as much when I was talking earlier about uh, the previous iterations, how they were able to just, the ball popped and the, the passes were always very clean. But Courtney is making a ton of clean passes, especially when you need to find shooters, especially late in the shot clock. She's bringing that, not just a veteran poise, but a poise uh, to that particular position. And I thought it was funny watching the TV broadcast early on, they were talking about how this guy, we're kind of working without a point guard, but they're working with two. And, mm-hmm. and three, if you want to count Marina Mabry, she's more of a combo too. Oh, but yeah. you've got Dana and Courtney solidifying your one spot. 100%, man. And they really do trust her late in the shot clock. Like the ball always seems to gravitate towards Courtney Williams with like less than four seconds left. And 
you know, again, talking about her taking those long mid-range attempts, like she's still second in the league this year, taking 17. But a lot of those have come like late in the shot clock and it's been, shoot, we just got to get a shot up. Like, I don't think that's more indicative of the, the situations that she's been in more than Courtney being like, oh, there's 17 seconds left. Here comes like a 20 foot jump shot right now. And her patience has just been so incredible this year and the energy that she brings. It's been so impressive seeing what she's been able to do. And I also got to give James Wade credit because I talked with Courtney about like last week, I think it was right before the Washington game. And in order to cut down on those long mid range attempts, James <laughs> had had at Sachs recreational center where the sky practice had a like second line that kind of mirrors the three point line. It's like, tw- it's like 20 feet away from the basket. And he said, he told Courtney, you can't take shots from in between these lines or just give us a three point shot. If you're going to shoot from that far away and you've already seen what that's done with Courtney Williams and her shot efficiency, whether those shots are going in like early on in the season, like that does, that doesn't concern me at this point. Like anyone who's struggling offensively or is going bonkers offensively. It's just, we have to just see more in order to call something a trend at the same time. The Sky have made a concerted effort to get her the ball, you know, like at the three-point line or just have her kind of control the game as a facilitator. So it's been really cool to see that and see her really step up in that role. Um, someone asked us about what they've, uh, what we've made about the Marina Mabry experience. Have you seen enough from Marina Mabry to have any concrete thoughts? Or do you think, like, again, the Sky are just kind of working things through figuring out how Marina mixes in with everyone here. Not yet. I haven't seen enough quite yet. And it's mainly because she's still kind of learning and integrating herself into the team and into the, into the offense specifically um, after the, the, after the Eurobasket season went long. So she went to the, to the, to the Zenith of Eurobasket. So she was going to come over a little late. And the one thing that's worried me, even as Marina has, you know, started to get into the flow of things and gotten herself going in terms of a shot is that there's times where she's shooting some contested. I was like, maybe it's a Notre Dame thing. Just watching her and Enrique on the on opposite sides of the ball. Cause they were pulling that thing, man. It's, they were pulling it almost no matter the situation. Enrique is a bit more reckless with it, but sometimes Rena would come down and uh, get one ball screen and then be still moving over towards the wing. And the help defender is kind of sagging onto her, and she was just like, "Fuck it, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pull." <laughs> <laughs> but she's still she's finding that stroke a bit more, and maybe you've seen it in the uptick in her production. Um, it, that's a good sign for her coming off of that ankle ankle injury too. But if we get later in the season, and she's pulling up in those situations, and it's inconsistent, I want to see her be able to not dribble into trouble, you know, not dribble into difficult spots on the floor, but be able to work within the flow of the offense because flow of the offense, Marina Mabry is still taking those shots and hitting them and defenses have to respect it. And then you open up um, either lanes or you hope or her gravity pulls. And then you have um, wide open shots for shooters on the other side of the floor. I think that's an astute observation, man. I do think everything you just said there 
is right on the money. And look, she played in that Minnesota game, obviously, but she was clearly working her way back. And I do think even looking at some of the numbers now, if you're just looking at the totality of what she's done for this guy, I don't think it really represents the impact that she's had and what is to come. I do think those assist numbers, man, I do expect them to maybe even go up a tick. Like four and a half assists in the W is actually like, it's up there. And I do think that she's going to get more involved as a ball handler. And we've seen her attract a lot of attention and get to the rim, despite, again, all the contact that she's, she has absorbed. Again, I do think she's a tough player to officiate, but every time the push-off is right there. But, um, <laughs> and it, hey, if you get away with it, you get away with it. She does. She has throughout her entire WNBA career and is, look, she's a prolific scorer. She's, I can't speak highly enough about Marina Mabry. Um, but I am curious to see how this guy integrate her more as a facilitator, given that I forget who reported it, but that she wanted to be the quote-unquote lead guard at some, like, at her next stop. And again, I even saying lead guard, I hate how we have to frame these certain things, you know, like right. these labels, like who cares? Like if this guy are running a four out one in offense, Marina Mabry might start off with the ball, but she's probably going to end up running around being used as a movement shooter, being freed up by a post player to get that, like, you know, to get an open shot or to flow right into like an empty corner pick and roll. Like, who ca- I, I I don't care about these labels or who starts off with the ball in the offense because it's so misleading when we actually talk about how the person actually does function within an offense. But it wouldn't surprise me if those numbers do jump up a little more given how successful she was like when Arike was hurt in Dallas's run last year towards the end of the season, seeing how effective she was as a, someone that like was up at the top when it came to at-rim assists and three-point assists. So that's something I'll be looking forward to as well. But um, Chris, any other takeaways that you had from the Sky's last three games before we move on? You know, whoever was like, whoever walked under a ladder or broke a mirror, you know, fix that, bro. Like, you got to fix that shit before the season gets going, really. Because <laughs> the Sky need these bodies back. I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, I'm looking into the camera. Wh- whoever made whatever deal... Cancel it. If you talk to Faust, um, Beelzebub, any of those folks, cancel those deals because this team cannot afford any more injuries. Dude, it's so crazy. Like, so even let's just go through it real quick, just in case people need a refresher. So Rebecca Gardner dealing with a foot injury, Morgan Birch dealing with an ankle injury, which you said already, like she's not gonna be out for too long, which is good news for the sky. And Isabel Harrison, it does seem like she's going to be out for an extended period of time. And I think it was James Wade who said, like, they just don't expect her to be, like, make an impact as much this season because, again, this is, like, a serious injury. But so she's out indefinitely. And then Ruthie Heber just had a child. I think she had, like, two weeks before training camp. And she's just out right now, with you know, because of maternity leave. Um, that kid, by the way, cutest fucking kid. Oh, my God. Aww. Um. I think James Wade even said, I, I missed this press conference, but apparently he said, like, the team is passing her around like a joint. That was the funniest shit I've ever he heard. Said, huh? he said yeah. yeah. It was the, I was like, I had to make sure I was reading this quote correctly. I'm like, James Wade said that? That's hilarious. <laughs> By far one of my favorite Wade quotes. But 
You know, remember, remember back in the day when Bill Clinton said, yeah, I had it, but I didn't inhale. Like we were yeah. supposed to use that. <laughs> and now here we are. <laughs> this is the world that we have advanced to. Too, that's just so funny, man. That's just too funny. Um, <laughs> so the sky, though, Annie reported, Annie Costable, Chicago Sun-Times, reported that the sky have either applied for a hardship contract by, by the time that we recorded this on May 31st, Wednesday afternoon. So that does leave questions about like who the sky should bring in or even just the type of player, Chris. Are we both in agreement that it should just be someone in the front court? Just get them another big body to throw in there when just given that again, like Ruthie Hebert's out, Isabel Harrison's out, and we don't know when Morgan Birch is necessarily coming back. I mean, these things do change day to day. Or do you think they should bring in another guard or another person on the wing where do you stand with that if you bring in a wing you've got to be able to bring in a wing that is and not just an energy player because uh, you have Sika Kone uh you still have Alana Smith who's not necessarily you know an energy you know, high motor players you don't expect them to score a lot Alana Smith can score I think honestly Sika Kone can score we we see that she has some ability around the basket and will hit the offensive glass uh, but I think you need to bring in a front court player just because you're going to have to deal with front court players as in your opponents. Yeah. The Friday night game is going to be difficult. It was going to be difficult before anyway, but you got to have somebody out there to try and bother John Quell Jones, Brianna Stewart. Um, even when the uh, players get downhill into the, into the um, restricted area, you're going to have to affect them, affect the game that way too. So it just helps that you can spell uh, your two starters, Smith and Elizabeth Williams, with somebody who's going to provide more than a few minutes at a time and stay out of foul trouble. Like you talked about, fouls have been such an issue for the team, and you really want to have somebody who can stay out of foul trouble because that's what's pushed them to the limit these last two games. So it, as good as it would be to have a wing, maybe another shooter or maybe a perimeter defender, I think you absolutely have to have somebody in the front court. I'm with you on that. And look, take this with a grain of salt. Um, but on WNBA.com's website, they say they have the sky listed as the number two team in terms of limiting opponents' points in the paint at 31.2 points in the paint per game. This is coming off a game where they allowed, I believe, 42 points in the paint against Atlanta. So that number is even better after considering they had an off night again, playing with a nine person rotation. I'm with you, man. It has, to, it should be someone in the front court. I think there are more front court options right now that are going to help the sky compared to the impact another guard or another wing would have on this roster. And Charlie Collier is out there, man. I know that that's someone who um, hasn't had a lot of tick in the WNBA, hasn't really had the success that a lot of people would expect from a number one overall pick, which again, at this point, a little meaningless, that type of, label whatever that means um charlie collier looked good overseas apparently she had a good training camp as well and if that's someone that at her size could come in and just give you some minutes i think you could do worse and the backcourt is already full man it is at max capacity in terms of being able to get people minutes and you want to see dana continue to grow she's been unbelievable on the defensive end this year on and off the stat sheet. She's been fantastic. You can see how the muscle that she built 
up in the offseason has really translated to that end of the floor. And I should say both ends, if you consider her picking up opponents 94 feet from the basket. Um, <laughs> the Sky don't need another wing player right now. I don't think they need more three-point shooting. I mean, even just going down the line here, I mean, you know, Kalia Copper, 42.9%. Courtney Williams, 38.9%. Alana Smith, 38.5% on 2.6 attempts. Marina, 35% at five attempts per game. It's like, no, the, the Sky are going to be okay in terms of three-point shooting. Even James Wade said that he doesn't necessarily prioritize three-point shooting, just the shot quality from that he gets from his team. So, man, they I just think they can use another person in the front court to just bump bodies with other opponents when we've seen it's been an issue with them from draw. Like, again, are the opponents drawing fouls on them? And to me, I think that would be the direction to go. One person asked about Annalie Maley and if she would help this team right now. I think because of everything that I just named, I don't really know if Annalie Maley would actually work her way into the Sky's rotation. But um, do you think the Sky could benefit from a player like Annalie? Just want to honor the the listener's submitted question here. It's tough because I don't think she could stand up to the players that they're going to face in the near future, but she would help with her activity on defense. And it was pretty clear. I think in a different sky lineup that, yeah, she would definitely be somebody you would bring back. We have seen James Wade not only just bring in players that he knows for and he's used to seeing uh, from overseas in the preseason and training camp, uh, but on hardship contracts as well. I like the question because I know that we have talked about Annalie Maley a lot since last year and what we saw her do. Um, she's already, you know, Chicago. You're going to look for those sports figures that really look, really make you feel like they are throwing everything at the wall and giving you it, giving it everything that they possibly have. And so she's well known with this fan base already, even in the limited time. But I think you're right. I don't know if necessarily she is the player when you have a Sika Kone already who is doing some of the same, doing some of the same things. Um, even Alana Smith, who is active on defense, you know, at the risk of foul trouble. It's hard to find a spot for Emily Maley at her size to work in and, and fill the gap that they need at this time. If the sky were four and one or five and oh and dealing with this, then I think maybe you could bring in Annalie Maley just to like shore up your to shore up the defenses, so to speak. But in this, you're, you're trying to still stay above 500. And so I think just for, because of that, what you need, you have to fill the absolute needs right now. So I think you're right. She's not the, she's not the right name. I want to see her make a roster. I, I want to see Annalie Maley make a roster before the season's out. But it's, it's going to either have to be the fit or a squad like Seattle that's just kind of like, you know, putting bodies in, in the, on the floor. I'm with you. And she's also not someone that looked like her shot looked a little bit off during training camp in the preseason. And I just think this guy should give more minutes to Robin Parks if they're going to continue down this trend of like giving wings a little bit more playing time. Like, I guess, like if you want to add a player, you probably want to have them be in the rotation as well. And I like what I've seen from Robin Parks and the potential of what she could be within this offense more than adding another wing, having Robin looking over her shoulder every time she misses a shot or, you know, 
blows a defensive assignment. I I haven't like I'm not saying she has this season. I'm just saying like if that were to happen, you don't want her thinking about like I'm competing for every single second when I think she's done enough between the preseason and what we've seen very limited action so far to stay on the floor and develop a little bit more. I mean, this is her first season in the W despite like her first year of eligibility not coming this year. So definitely something to look out for though, just to see what this guy decided to do in the interim with that hardship contract. Let's talk a little bit though about the rest of the WNBA and it's been such a fun season so far, even seeing some of these early trends in the WNBA with some of these players like Sabrina Inescu taking over like eight threes a game, hitting them at like a 45% clip. It's been really cool to just see how offenses are kind of advancing a little bit in the modern age. Um, just getting as many three point attempts as much as they can. What has surprised you? Is there any teams that have stood out to you in the early going of the WNBA season? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about where you're at from just seeing some non Chicago sky basketball. Minnesota's 0 and 5. How? How, dude? <laughs> how? How is how are the Lynx getting off to such a, a bad start again? Considering the the way they finished the season, so many things that they I felt like they had going their way in the offseason. I know it was going to take some tinkering to find the right lineup, but my goodness, the piece of Collier coming back, Kayla McBride coming back, um, bringing in again, I'm gonna say it. Bring in Diamond Miller, getting that draft pick that they nowhere they shouldn't have been nowhere near the lottery, and they got Diamond Miller, and the Lynx are zero five, bro, and and not just zero five, a minus ten like minus ten differential um, per game in points, which means I know their net rating has to be worse. It's unconscionable to see that team doing that badly. Like I I wanted to see how this guy did in that first game. And I guess that second quarter was just indicative of who the Lynx are right now. I thought it was an aberration. But that Minnesota team being that bad, like Seattle would probably have as many losses if they had played as many games. But honestly, I can see the Storm winning one of their, four, one of their five if they played five. So, yeah. Um, you know, Cheryl Reeve, I put a lot of respect on you. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand. I don't understand it. Well, to be fair, I don't understand it, man. To be fair, Kayla McBride did miss two games because, of, like, personal reasons. Um, I don't really know the reason behind that, but you're right, though, man. They are generating 0.77 points per possession this year, which ranks in the eighth percentile in the WNBA. So, like, you know, eleventh. That is atrocious. That is atrocious. I'm honestly, I'm pretty sure that would be last in the W if we looked at last year from a, you know, points per possession standpoint, but it's been really bad. Not having like a quote unquote true point guard has really been just a mystery. I don't get, I mean, this, the links learned in 2021, they weren't going to be as successful with these great big or these great wings that they have without having Alasia Clarendon in, in the lineup. And since Lasia is gone, dude, they've, it's just been a, a constant rotation of point guards. I just don't get it. Like, you can't cast aspersions without knowing what's going on. But not remember that game? Remember that playoff game where I was like, the Sky are probably going to lose this one. And then Leisure Clarendon got hurt and yeah. didn't play a lot of the second half. And the Sky just took over and, and took that one home. 
And then they didn't bring Leisure Clarendon back, and they still haven't figured out their point guard situation. I don't think they've had a true point guard on the roster outside of Leisure since they drafted Crystal Dangerfield. And Mariah Jefferson, to be fair. But she's in Phoenix. They didn't give her the bag. Why? Like, why not? This is one of the... This is still one of the places where you need that player unless you have a transcendent um, point forward. And those are hard to come by, no matter the generation. Why do you not have a point guard on this roster? It doesn't make sense to me. Is it because their future point guard plays for the Iowa Hawkeyes and they're... Oh, whatever. No, that's not... There's no... You bring in somebody who can still run the offense. (laughs) I know. Even a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> you got to do. You got to do that. You have to do something like that, dude. It's it's, it's weird. Knowledge. I'll say that. Yeah. No. Sorry. Sorry. I, that broke up for a second there. But like, um, I mean, you can't project what Caitlin Clark is going to do in a year. Like, I've seen people throw out like, "Oh, they're just tanking for Caitlin." It's like Caitlin Clark could be was... in college basketball for two more years, man. Like, <laughs> let's simmer down about before seeing like a team try to tank for like a top pick. Like, Jesus. No, I don't. I I could not tell you why they don't have a, that one player that they've we've seen them just need over the last couple of years. And Lindsay Allen has been like, I get wanting to give her a shot. Um, I do, you know, Tiffany Mitchell like has had her ups and downs, obviously, and maybe giving her more of a role from that standpoint. Okay, like I get these ideas in theory, but. Leisha Clarendon was available, you know, like, and again, maybe there's something that we don't know about like Lay not being with the team after like, you know, they, they went down with another injury during training camp last year, I believe, and they didn't end up making the roster. So maybe like, again, we never know what happens behind the scenes with these things. And maybe Leisha Clarendon wanted to be in LA, you know, like, I'm not saying that like, that's entirely Minnesota's fault for not like bringing a player like that back. It just seems like that should have been a priority in free agency to bring in someone like that with just a little bit more experience initiating offense, but we'll see how Minnesota goes, man. They've also started off so bad over the last four years. Like they've done this every single time. And like, have they, think, have they been zero and five though? I think they've been maybe zero and four and let me see if I can pull it up. So, okay. Yeah. The last three seasons, one and four to start the season in 2021. One and four last year. Zero oh and five this year. That's just that's a tough way to rebound at the top of the season. It's like what Kalia Copper was saying. These are the games at the top of the year that you want to steal, or the ones that end up biting you in the ass. And <laughs> I totally get that. I mean Minnesota. I think they're looking towards the future right now. But any other teams that have stood out to you so far early on in the W season? Man, I'm still getting over this. <laughs> We're already talking about tanking. Oh, less, <laughs> Five games in the season. Less than a week into the season, and we're talking about tanking. Um, I, you know, I've talked a lot about Connecticut, so I think it's it's better to shift over to New York and how they're still kind of getting figuring some things out. It feels like they're working out the kinks early on. Um, that loss to the Mystics opening night was was difficult, but it's opening night and you kind of expect things to happen. But I think it's interesting that in their four games, the Liberty are averaging 80 points a game. And you could probably throw one of those out since it was against the Fever team that's still trying to, you know, figure out what they have, what works and what doesn't. 
so the Liberty offense is kind of eh, at this point. Like Dallas is averaging way more points a game than them. Uh, Atlanta's averaging more points a game than New York. And this is a New York Liberty team that, you know, it's not just built on defense. You have John Quell and Brianna Stewart. You're going to be able to, to play defense for sure. But those are players who are supposed to get you easy, easy, easy touches within the arc. And so for New York to be kind of finding their way offensively, there's, I want to say that it would be a good game Friday for them to really test that. But if the sky is still depleted, then you might not get a look until they play uh, Las Vegas or Connecticut again. So it's it's interesting to me that the Liberty are still trying to, you know, crack that like 85, 86 points per game mark, whereas there's other teams who have just shot through it. I think that's fair. I do think, honestly, I'm not worried about the Liberty. I mean, I think they... So what they're shooting 44.6% from the field, 36.8% from deep and 82% from the line. I mean, that's damn near 50, 40, 90. And even like, it's, I think against Connecticut where John Quill Jones got a call <laughs> again, not to just blame everything on the refs, but she had some like vowel calls that just were phantom fouls. That I just don't, I don't get how you can call that um, as a referee and <laughs> seeing her being more integrated into this offense, I think is something they're really going to be working on over this, over the course of the season. I mean, even getting Courtney Vandersloot back to a hundred percent, like honestly, the Liberty are not a team that I'm necessarily worried about or like surprised by the sun definitely are. Like, I know that we talked about it a little bit. Um, you know, the sun, like we, like, I think we, I said this back in February, like if they stay healthy for the entire season, I see them as a top four team, but they have a lot of question marks on that roster and boy, do Rebecca Allen and Tiffany Hayes look like they're super healthy and ready to go. Um, but when I look at the Liberty team, sorry, that was a little quick tangent, but like when I look at that Liberty team, I do think though that they're, they're still figuring things out. That continuity though, I do think is going to be there by the end of the season. Um, what other surprises from this league? I mean, do you feel like, Outside of teams, are there any players that have stepped up in a way that you think have like just stood out to you early on? Uh, it's it's helped to just be able to watch the Sky Games and fairly exclusively right now with my schedule. But boy, uh, like we talked about Shug Sutton and how she's got a lot of staying power uh, from that Phoenix game. I think she 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 lit everybody's eyes up just uh, going back and forth with uh, Dana Evans, especially. Yeah. But Veronica Burton. The way that she not only has worked defensively, but I said this when Dallas was in the series, uh, the opening round series that they were in last year. I wanted to see them play Veronica Burton more because she had the experience. And this year, it looks like she's really just going to quietly put it all together because she is controlling the floor and the pace of Dallas's offense when they do, you know, slow things down or move into the half court set. Uh, she was able to get to her spot fairly easily just by virtue of a quick crossover or behind the back dribble, get a defender on her hip and have the advantage and then move the ball quickly to the, to the wing or to the arc. Like just if, if Dallas wanted, they could have gotten a lot of those sets just off of a simple screen at the top, get Veronica Burton going into the paint and then move the ball to the offside. And if they wanted to get a quick three, they could have gotten a quick three. I think if you work it right, you can get, a, you can get Arike a lot more 
open looks than she's taken so far this season. But I was really impressed with the with uh, the you know the term floor general is out there. So that's what it felt like Veronica Burton was. She was just really controlling the pace of the game on the offensive end, and we know how much of a dog she is defensively. So that could really make her and Dallas, the Dallas team, a team that nobody wants to see on their schedule come late August and September. I completely agree. And Tierra McCowan is also someone that's been out. She got hurt in the what like the first game of the season. And she's someone that brings a lot of length and secondary playmaking that it, even when I talked to Latricia Trammell after the game, she's like, yeah, we've missed that, um, that secondary playmaking that opens up things for them. One thing that I'll say that in terms of, I don't know if it's the surprise factor. One thing I'll just say that I was really impressed with was Arike, her leadership style that I saw before the game a little bit. Like there was this one moment that stood out to me where I haven't, I've been covering her since 2019. And I just like watching her before the game because she puts on like these, dribble spectacles that I'm like I don't know how you like this ball handling theatrics that I just I'm blown away by um one thing that I was <laughs> impressed with so even in the shooting line I haven't really seen her be vocal before but in the shooting line like they Maddie Seagrass was taking a corner three and she missed it and usually after that exercise like the player funnels to the back of the line and it goes on to the next player to shoot in the corner but Arike was like no stay in the corner like take another one and Maddie Segrist missed another corner three instead of going again to, to rotate. Arike, go take another one, take another one. Like Maddie didn't make them, you know, and like they eventually shifted. But later in that game, Maddie Segrist, a play was drawn up for her, nails a three pointer immediately, you know, and it's like, okay, just sometimes just getting some of those misses out of the way in pregame, like just having the leader of your team being like, hey, no, like keep going, like it's all good. Like, there were just certain things like where the Rike, she was just more vocal in a way that I just, I hadn't seen her before games or even during them. And I know the efficiency from an efficiency standpoint hasn't looked all that great again this year. Um, 3.3 assists kind of around the same where she was over the, the course of her entire career and everything. I do think if she's able to take her leadership to the next level, and that's going to do dividends for this team that was really split last year between the players and Vicky Johnson. That's just a report that was out there, I believe, from the next or someone. And I have just uh, that real that's the type of shit that impresses me is when we see the growth from players. Um, again, there's obviously you want to see Rike improve in other areas, but like 26.7 points per game and 38 minutes of action, which must be exhausting. Like that's got it. That's impressive stuff from a young player that uh, that really stood out to me the other day. That's a really good point. Um, I noticed specifically when I was watching the game back today that Dallas got good minutes from you know the quote unquote others like uh, Veronica Burton, Maddie Segrist was in there, and Crystal Dangerfield. And like you said, sometimes Enrique takes some shots where you're just like, bro, you know why? <laughs> that was <laughs> like what <laughs> there's a clip of Patrick Hewing uh with Georgetown and one of his players takes like a turnaround shot from the baseline and he comes back in the huddle and he's like, Why did you take that shot? You practice that shot? You practice that shot? When? And then some 
<laughs> San Enrique uh, take two one-legged runners, one of them at three, in the first six minutes of the game was just like, wow, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know. But Dallas feels like they're playing fairly free. They felt like they were playing just very free and loose. Even when the Sky were up, uh, Stephen Bardo mentioned it. The Sky had a chance to go um, up 10 with a couple of minutes left in the half. And they kind of were, they were out of sorts and they botched a, a short pass off the side. And Enrique broke that play up, had a free open layup to the rim. And I think the play before that, they got, uh, she got a circus layup um, to get them within six. And so it became a four point game at the half when it could have easily been 10, 12, or more than that. And you saw Dallas in the second half just really open up with their defense and move the ball around. I mean, a lot of that, a lot of Sunday was Satu Sabali just overwhelming whoever was in front of her. But on the defensive end, and just as a, as a unit, Dallas looked like they were playing very free and loose with it in a, in a way that just exuded confidence. And that is going to come from a player like Arike, uh, who's a veteran and who has been here for this whole time and just really looks like she's taking what Latricia Trammell is putting out there and also, you know, putting her stamp on it. I think she's putting her stamp on this team and then also saying, it's like, yeah, we're buying into what this coach is saying. We're going to trust it and take it as far as we can go. Again, Dallas, I think, team you don't want to see on the schedule when it gets late in the season and you're scrounging for wins. Agreed. I do think even with having Tierra McCowan, McCowan back after I think she's about to leave for Eurobasket, which is a, a tough blow for Dallas. But I'm thinking about late in the year when maybe the record is more misleading. Let's just say they were to scuffle a little bit without Tierra McCowan. Um, some of these teams are going to be losing some impact players because of Eurobasket. But I don't. I would want to see Dallas late in the season, man. I would not want to see that team bringing. I mean, Natasha Howard's been great, but Satu Sabli, man, Satu Sabli is an MVP candidate this year. Might be, honestly, might be the best player on her team right now, and she makes the most of every opportunity she got. She's had. She's just playing so freely, like you just said, man. Talking about that, the totality of Dallas, like. Satu Sabli is playing like she's never had an injury in her entire life. And yes. it's awesome. And she's also someone that's shooting 50, 40, 90. She's shooting 94.4% from the line this year on six per, uh, on six attempts a game. From one of your bigs, like, man, this is just some impressive, like the first, what, like five, though, three games for them have just been really impressive. And, uh, She's someone to look out for throughout the entire year. I mean, honestly, expecting some, I mean, anyone to go 50, 40, 90 in the W is it's, it's a really high expectation. Don't know if she ends the season there, but this three game sample size of her playing 31 minutes a game, yes. she's really been one of the big surprises for me because the talent's always been there. It's just about. I thought they were going to try to work her back in a little bit more. And it's like, no, she's uh, she's ready to go. Oh, no. Go for it, yeah. No, yeah. it's like, you're, you're right. The, with that minutes jump, you would expect an increase in scoring. But her shooting percentage is 10 points higher than it, than it has been. It's, it's her highest by about, like, 8, like, what was it? 8%. Yeah. And she's shooting it better from three. She's getting to the line more than she did even in her rookie year. 
this is what we've all wanted. This is what we've wanted since she came out of Oregon because we just saw that the talent was there and she's just had to deal with these injury issues. And now, if this is, God, if this is the Satu Sabali that we get for another eight years, well, as highlight material, then you're gonna have people, then you're gonna have the arguments that you should have. It's like, why are we not putting more Satu Sabali games on national TV? <laughs> Why are we not seeing Satu more on, on advertising? Why are we not seeing Satu Sabali more on stuff? And, you know, talking with Maggie uh, after post-game on Friday and the things that she had to say about Satu, her thoughtfulness, her awareness of current events, of the political climate. Yeah. Hell, yeah, I want that player on my marketing materials. Hell, yeah, I want them on national TV. It, should, it, it shouldn't matter if they're getting 20 points a game or not, but if they're getting 20 points a game, it's going to be fucking hard to deny it. So I want this Satu Sabali for a decade at least. That would be one of the best gifts we can get as people that love basketball. And, yeah, she's awesome person. Yeah, I got the chance to talk with her a little bit after the game as well. Like She's just such a genuine person. Uh, even Latricia Trammell, man. Oh, I know we're talking a lot about the wings right now, but... Latricia Trammell, like, after the post-game press conference, she didn't know that there was a lot of students here, like, at Wintrust on Sunday. It was, like, a Northwestern, like, their journalism program, I believe, came. I mean, there's the, obviously the Veronica Burton tie, so that makes a lot of sense. But Latricia Trammell, at the end, like, didn't know that it was, like, a lot of journalism students there. She's like, thank you all for coming in and supporting women's basketball. Like, man... I'm telling you that that goes a long way for every reporter in this space, whether you're at ESPN or whether you're working for like a blog or doing a newsletter by yourself, like you, it takes sacrifice to cover the WNBA. And it was just really cool to see Latricia Trammell recognize that, you know, it's not something you always see. So pretty cool to see that her adjusting to life as a head coach now, I mean, she's such a pro, but Chris, let's finish up with this. Courtney Vandersloot is returning to Wintrust Arena this Friday. She'll be suiting up for the New York Liberty, which just feels such a... It's so weird to watch the New York Liberty this season, just seeing Sloot not in blue and gold or yellow, whatever. What are you expecting for this game on Friday? Um, I mean, Courtney's a professional, but there's still some sort of, of difficulty having played in one place for so long and then to come there as a visitor. Uh, it'll be familiar, but it'll just be, you know, odd. It'll be like coming back to college for a reunion <laughs> and you can see that things have changed, but you're, you're almost expecting uh, things that you've just known to be the same way. I don't expect her to have a bad game. But I, I don't necessarily expect her to have a great game. I mm. think there'll still be some of that. And, and again, we've talked about it before. Courtney Vandersloot doesn't need to have a great game in that New York Liberty team. The sky are depleted in the front court. You hammer away with John Quell and Stewie. That's a smart plan, and Sandy, Brand Sandy Brandell is a smart coach. So that is absolutely what I would expect to see. But a slew game with like 8 and 10, you know, maybe three three rebounds. I'd be par for the course. Um, as long as she does, if if Courtney Vandersloot, bro, if Courtney Vandersloot hits a game winning three, if it's somehow close, like <laughs> I don't know whether that would be the most heartbreaking thing or the most <laughs> like joyous thing in there. 
I think everybody would just be confused. Like, what do we do now? Like, do we, like, there will be cheering and clapping, but it would be like, oh, this is what it feels like. Especially because she did that to the Liberty last year in yeah. New York. So, <laughs> so you know what? I'm going to call it just because um, the world is a fickle place. Courtney Vandersloot, game winner, eight, eight points, 10, 10 assists, three rebounds. Um, and a steal and a steal to hit that three. It's gonna be she's gonna steal a pass and then hit like a pull up three with the with the clock winding down to win it 85-82. Yeah. yeah. So in transition, after getting a steal, she's gonna yes. pull up and not take a, a layup. <laughs> no, no. This is the new this is the new basketball. We pull up and take threes. Uh, in transition, I mean, like I said, this, I said the clock will be winding down. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, fair. You know what? Fair. She's, she's gonna have to pull up. <laughs> I think she's gonna get the warmest reception when she gets back to Win Trust. I would be shocked if anyone. I, I mean, we've had some emails being like, "I can't believe Candace and Sloot fucking left," and there's like a bitterness there. We've seen some people on social media being like, "Candace Parker, you're joining a super team." Well, like you know, they reverse their fandom into rooting against some of those players, but I really do expect Sloot, who was with that franchise for you know, 10 plus years to get a warm reception at Wintrust. I hope people hang on to what she was able to do for that franchise. Same thing when Candace comes to town, eventually that you give that you show the player who helped build the franchise, just what they meant to you during the time, which they were on your team. So it is going to be weird. I'm not, honestly, I'm not even thinking about the result of that game as much. I don't really have any predictions. I mean, the sky are depleted in the front court going against arguably the best front court in the WNBA. Um, I'd probably say still Asia Wilson and Candace. By the way, the Aces, the undefeated Aces, they have a plus 99 point differential <laughs> this year, yeah. which is insane. Um, you asked for surprises. I was like, that wasn't a surprise. That was <laughs> not a surprise, man. Not a surprise. But I just hope the fans honor Courtney. And the hope, I wonder what the team is going to do before the game, if they're going to do anything. I mean, Courtney doesn't always seem like the type that would want any of that type of recognition before the game. But I'll be oh, curious. you got to have a video. you got to have, have a video. Yeah, absolutely, man. you got to have the video. I mean, Steph already had her return, Olaf Lang. Also, I guess returning to Win Trust, he was on the team last year on New York last year, so he's already done that. But a lot of sky DNA on the court for this Friday's matchup, which was moved to 5 p.m. by the way. Um, why guess, was that? Why, why was that you said? Oh, I mean, it's probably for uh Taylor Swift, if I had to guess. Oh, get him out of here! Oh my god, we don't have enough time for me to talk about how overrated Taylor Swift is. <laughs> oh my god it's so funny i my girlfriend's going to see taylor swift on friday and i'm just like you know what we're, we're not gonna make this a music podcast um margaret what are you doing hey no just maggie not even a margaret oh, just, oh. named after the rod stewart song which oh guess wow what? that's right Maggie Hendricks was also named after that rod stewart song <laughs> wild man wild um I don't know any other Maggies outside of those two that are just Maggies, but um, yeah, no, Chris, 
any last thoughts before we wrap up and get ready for get another crazy two game slate for the sky coming up well there's going to be more time friday to celebrate um not just my birthday but a uh, friend of the show a spaces candace spaces their I... birthday today may 31st so we are we are hitting the town whichever bar that is that's like within walking distance of wind trust on friday so def seriously please I will put the word out uh, both through this, both through my personal Twitter account and the other Twitter account that I'm in charge of that you you should know by now uh, about going out on Friday because I want to I want to celebrate with you all uh, whoever you whoever you are and wherever you may be at least come over if you don't drink we'll get you a Shirley Temple and just some food I I would drink a Shirley Temple I love ginger ale. But just come through and, and celebrate. We're gonna take a big skyhook group picture. Uh, come on, just come out. It's gonna be great. I've, I've wanted to do that for a while, and we have the chance now. That would be great. That'd be fun to organize. And uh, you know, happy birthday ahead of the time. I know I'll be seeing you before then. You know, but um, what like what are you turning, Chris? Uh, Thirty four, uh, because everybody gets their COVID birthday back since they didn't get a chance to celebrate so i will be 34 perfect doesn't matter yeah if you, when you think that you everybody everybody out there you are a year younger than you think you are just so you know oh my god that honestly i would i would love to have a year of my 20s back so you know what i'm just gonna stash that one away um you, you're already uh-huh. first folks you are one year younger than you think that you are right now chris pennant md um you know, Chris, so glad that we had a chance to talk, man. And we appreciate everyone who tuned into this episode of the Skyhook podcast. If you want to reach out to us, you can always do so by emailing our mailbag, which is the Skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. One more time, that is the Skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. And if you want to find us on social media, you can do so by checking out the episode description, which has our link tree and which has links to everything that you need to, in order to find us so you can also send us a financial contribution through our venmo which is also in the episode description and if you could take a second to rate and review the show wherever you get your pods that would help us out tremendously but again we just appreciate you joining us for this edition of the show and until next time <laughs>